I'm Natalie Heacock. And I'm Chelsea Brown. And this is Lumber Slingers. Each podcast, we will be bringing you relevant and useful industry information, including interviews with top lumber professionals and discussion of current events in the industry. Whether it be lumber grading, industry and market trends, or who's who in lumber, we hope to extend your current tally on industry knowledge. Hey, everybody. Uh, Welcome to another episode of Lumber Slingers. I am so excited. Uh, Natalie and I are here today with our buddy, Casey Hallstrom. Hey, Casey, how are you doing today? I'm fine. How are you guys? Good. Doing great. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for inviting me. Yeah, you're kind of an expert over here in uh, the Pacific Northwest with Doug Fur and Glue Lambs. And I was just wondering, maybe you could give us a little introduction about yourself and how you got into the industry and then what your role is um, at your job. All right. So, uh, I am Casey Hallstrom, and I started working at Zippo Log Mills in February of 2012. It is owned by my father, Carl Hallstrom, and it is he is a third-generation owner. So my great-grandfather started this business in 1944. He came from the Tacoma area and came down to Eugene because it's hopping for, you know, <laughs> lots of trees to talk to. And so him and his partner went into this business thinking – you know, all these people have sawmills that are just in the ground. What if we just make mills that you can pick up and move around to the trees? So hence the name Zippo, because you can I didn't know that. and move it along. So that was wow. their initial thought. But then when they had it on the ground and they brought trees to that mill, they're like, wow, you can make money not moving them. So then they stayed. <laughs> <laughs> so, but the name stayed. So we started in actually in Coburg, which is just north of Eugene. And then when I-5 corridor needed to be paved through, it was literally going through the saw filing room when they were mapping it out. So we had to change locations to our current Eugene location in the late 40s. And we've been there ever since. And then we filled up our log pond in 1996 or or, uh, close to that. So our log yard is about a mile from the sawmill. And then we acquired our Goshen facility in 2013 because we started renting in 2007 from the cone lumber family which is in goshen which is just south of eugene and that's where we do like our planing and sorting and trimming and that and also that's where our rail spur is so that that, that location does about 75 percent of all the shipping of the sawmill and uh so we acquired that in 2013 we're doing great improvements on it it's been a great asset for us and then uh, we had Pennington Cross, so I'm kind of on the side. So that's also in Eugene. You can kind of, you can actually see the sawmill from one of the windows <laughs> oh, <laughs> really close by. So my father and his cousin acquired that in 86. The company started in 19, I believe, 55, Pennington Cross from Company. So that's yeah. where they create uh, the poles. So there's your telephone pole, then the wood that goes across it to hold the wires. That's what a cross arm is. And so they bought that business from Mr. Pennington and they uh, continued that till 2016 and they sold the business uh, since then. So they would buy cross arms from Zippo, log mills, they would dry it, surface it, and then they would treat it at Jake's Baxter, which is less than a mile away. Then they would drill, well, and they would drill it also. So then that way it's all treated, can be ready to go up. And that's what they did this whole time. Uh, and they had a huge building 
It's, it's, it's a huge building warehouse. Uh, it actually used to be a sawmill back in the day uh, and also a steel mill. And so my father, Carl, in 2015, st- strongly considered creating a Gulen plant there because the building was already there. About 10 years prior to that, he had contemplated going to Gulen. He had a few friends in the industry and saw that there might be a need for a new custom Gulen plant. And so uh, I was on board in 2012. So I had a couple of years that I was uh, running around t- uh, shadowing supervisors and driving forklift and doing everything at the Zippo, all locations. So then we decided to go for a land plan. And so I've been at this location since 2015 and we got certified by the APA in April of 2016. And now we're uh, doing custom Gulam right now. And I'm in uh, operations currently at Zippo Laminators, but I am transitioning back to the sawmill so I can shadow my father and get back into the sawmill life so I can okay. start taking over there. So, so um, I guess I didn't realize Zippo has only been in the lamb laminating business since 2016. Mm-hmm. Okay. So when you went to school, did you know that you wanted to work at Zippo? So I always knew I wanted to try it, but I didn't know if I would love it or not. I just knew it would be silly not to take the opportunity My sister and I worked there when we were 14. And then when we were 18, prior to going to college, we worked downstairs and went like, okay, we're excited for college now. And uh, so, so we, we got our feet a little wet, you know, on trying to see what it was like. And a lot of times waiting in the, you know, conference room in the kitchen going, okay, five more minutes for my dad to be done is an hour, you know? (laughs) Um, So we don't know what that's like. Really? I mean, I, I put in a lot of hours unpaid. (laughs) (laughs) but you know I I I started so I graduated in 2011 and I did some traveling and then I started working in retail because I really didn't know what I wanted to do I just knew I wanted to you know try retail so I worked during the holiday season which I recommend for everybody it's a life changer (laughs) (laughs) I worked at Macy's and uh, then after the holidays my hours became so minimal that I was talking to my dad about it one night and he's like hey why don't you just start working here and I'm like sure I'll try it And then here we are nine and a half years later, and it's been fantastic. It's, I love production. I love the analysis of how do we get better, who makes us better. And then also the, the wonderful relationship business that this is with sales. It's not just about, Hey, this is, I can get this wood to you in 30 days. It's, Hey, but how's your kid? How's your dog? I, you know, I, I really enjoy the, the dynamic and the balance of that. And it just makes it fun. And then the people you work with are fantastic. And learning how to work with everybody has been phenomenal. Like I, like I said, I've had to work with every every supervisor. And that's been extremely valuable in looking at all the different leadership styles and understanding personality types and approaches. And so, but really for me, an analyzing a project going like, hey, how do we make it work? What's the return? And, you know, how, how are we going to set this up? Who's going to set it up? And that's what really drives me and challenges me. And I enjoy it so much. It's just a great diverse, there's, there's always something to do. So. Yeah. Would you say that you're definitely a lifer then in the lumber industry? I would say so. And so you're going to be fifth generation or I'll be, I'll be fourth. You're fourth generation. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. So I guess You've been involved in the glue lamb side. And for some people who are listening and don't know what a glue lamb beam is, could you explain what that is, what that process is? 
So a glue lamb is a engineered wood product, which means when someone is designing a building or wanting to do spans, they actually have a calculation because it's supposed to bear a certain amount of weight that they know what to build the beam out of, what size, what depth, and to make it all work. It's really, to put it in layman's terms, it's finger joining two by four to two by 12 together to make a, the longest piece possible and then to glue it all together and then make it pretty and send it out. <laughs> I mean, so we can go up to 115 feet long. Wow. Wow. And we can go up to nine foot three deep in a beam, which those are for the project we're currently working on. We can go longer, just our building isn't that long. <laughs> so there are there are some plants that can go 130, 160 feet. Wow. Also, for people who are listening, maybe don't know what finger joining is, could you give a quick definition of what finger jointing is? So finger joining is using these small knives to create literally little fingers that are on the ends of the wood so that you can put glue in between and you can you can press it together to make it bond because as we know, wood doesn't naturally come in those lengths. And it also makes it really versatile because we can actually finger join a piece six feet to 20 feet long and just combine it together. So I have a visual for you guys. Nice. So here is a vertical finger joint because when you go on the side, which is where the depth comes from, is building up this way. But then there's horizontal, which has the, the cuts on the, on the inch and a half side. But, but we just had a vertical finger joiner. So that's what we just started using. And so then I don't have, I can't break it apart, but you would just finger join both ends. And then you have someone who made a glue dauber. So you actually go like the width of whatever wood you're using and you finger join it. Then you carve out a little handle and you literally shove the, the glue in there. So it'll go like this on the wood and then you dab. Yeah glue in it on one end and then they'll meet up on the belt and just go to push in together so with that pressure it'll go through a, a rf tunnel a radio frequency tunnel that'll cure it and so it'll heat it up bond them together but they gotta be pressed together really well so we got rolls that'll press them together there'll be some glue squeeze out so it's kind of messy but then when it comes out it's about 90 percent cured so and how long does that curing process take when it goes? So through? you want to, you want, it'll be fully cured in 24 hours. And so then that's when we do the QC portion because we, we need to take a sample of every width that we do and every species that we do. We are certified in Douglas fir and Alaskan yellow cedar. So say we run two by eight Doug fir and two by eight Alaskan yellow cedar. We got to take a sample of each and, and right. document it and make sure it passes the QC. And so that way, because we're able to track a beam throughout the entire process. So we can literally tell you what day it got finger jointed, what day got glued, what day got plain, what day got finished. So that at any point, if there's a QC problem, we can always go back and look at it. So with the species, why would someone want Doug for over SYP? Is it just visual or Alaskan yellow? Yeah. So so Alaskan yellow is is actually rising in popularity uh, during our little survey of what other species, you know, we should get certified in. Cause every time you add a species, you got to get certified in it. So even though it has lower strength properties, it doesn't need to be treated. So it can be used outdoors, you know, just like how there's cedar, you know, those, those garden boxes, like those flower boxes mm-hmm. that need to be treated. So people can touch it, 
plants can be in it. You know, there's no chemicals on it. So it's more green. The thing with Blossoming Yellow Cedar, even though it's beautiful, I mean, it's a beautiful yellow color. It'll turn to a silver once exposed to oxygen over a period of time. So it won't maintain the color. Doug fir is just because it's the most common wood here and it's got the great strength properties, but it would need to be treated if put in an outdoor application or else it'll just start rotting and go away because all of our cross arms had to be treated. So does the treatment happen after? Yes. It Okay. That's so, like so in order for Doug fir to be, I don't have a sample, but it needs to be incised. So we have these knives on the side that'll make indents in the wood, it has to go a certain depth so that when the tree, so the, so then it gets inside, there's holes on every side of the beam. Then when it gets taken to a treatment plant, it'll go into a, a thing called a retort. So it'll just be like put in, it gets pressurized that, so the treatment pressure is pressured into the wood, but it needs to have those indents in order to penetrate to a certain depth so that when it's done, it can't just be a surface thing. It has to actually go into the wood. Like when you look at your fence posts, Natalie, they're incised. They have those dents in them, like throughout mm-hmm. the whole entire post. Mm-hmm. That's what an incisor does. It puts those indentations in there so that when the I didn't know there was a word for that. I just thought they were like indents. <laughs> <laughs> There's a machine, yeah, a machine that does it, an incisor. And so, so and so when a so a beam gets finger jointed and it has a formula. So for example, Douglas fir, the most common layup is a 24F V4. So 24F is for the 20, I think it's 2,400 pounds of pressure. Like it, it's just, it's really strong. Uh, AYC only has a 22. So 24 is stronger than 22. And V4 is really just a way to say it's unbalanced. So tension grade is all that matters in glue lamb. So tension is with the face. The, like the bottom board of the beam, like, like, like when you look up at Costco and you have the, the beam looking up, that's, that, that's called the face board. And that has all the ten, that has all the strength. So it has like smaller knots. It has a higher ring count. It's just, it's the strongest piece you could possibly get. And then whatever filler you need, it, it's like plywood. Like you have, you know, the lower grade stuff in the middle, then the strong stuff on top, you know? So it's just to make you get to that depth. But so the most common one is the V4 because it's only weight bearing on one side. And so that you only need the strength on the bottom so that when something's Mm. pressing up on it, it will maintain. Now a V8 is a balanced. So that means it has tension on both sides. It's going to be weight bearing on both sides. So we don't do any of that. Thank God. Uh, We don't do (laughs) any design. So we just make sure somebody, when they want to quote, we go, what layup is it? And so we don't do any of that. We, we want to know where it's being installed because that could help with visual, you know, like, like if we know it's an exposed beam and an entryway, they can say architectural, but if we know it's going to be exposed, like the beam that someone sees when they go in, we're going to, we're going to pay more attention to that. And then you got the, it's called a radius. That's what uh, stock beams have is normally a 5,000 foot radius or a 3,500, you know? So you, they have a little curve in them. Because the thought is, is that when it has a little curve, right, it, it'll, when the weight goes on, it'll straighten it out. So oh, that there's no right. like belly in it. So that's typical in stock beams. We can do all that. That's a simple one, but we can go, I mean, pretty much any, we can go to a four foot radius. So 5,000 to four. I mean, we can do a lot of that. And that's just based on the setup we have. Stock beams are the same thing all day, 60 foot, 66 foot, some even do 40 foot. 
but it just, it continuously goes through a press that has that curve in it. And they just can poop those things out. <laughs> like nobody's <laughs> business. I mean, I can sit there and watch a, watch a stock beam get finger jointed, glued, planed all within like 10 minutes. Wow. So if we can back up a little bit, when you were talking about, you were talking about V, like the ratings, the V and the F, what does the F stand for? What does the V stand for? You know, I don't really know that. I just know that I'm sure the F has to do with the strength factor. Okay. And the V, I think they just need, I'm sure it has some kind of meaning, but it's really just for the, for people who are looking at the design to know, because there's, because there's a ton of different ones. I mean, there's, so when they call for a V4, it's like, I know it's tension. I know it's L1. I know it's L2 and L3, then L2 dense, right? So L2 and L3 are the core. Like that's crummy stuff that is not crummy, but like it's the lower grade stuff that's in the middle. That's the lower grade. So it has way bigger knots. It doesn't have a, have a ring count specification and, and that's fine. Cause it's in the middle. It's just there to like build it. Right. But that, but there's some beams that are only, they only want it made out of L1 or out of 30224, which is the tension. <laughs> and then we'll get into tension grades, but it's supposed to be just an overview. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, but it depends on the depth. But again, it's all a formula. So everyone right. has the same thing. It's it tells you in the in the spec if it's six to nine layers, it needs 10% tension, or you know, it has them all laid out for every single layup there is. And, okay. and we're cert- like when you certify in like V4, V8, it already counts for a lot of other ones. But if you want to do a specialty layup, you got to get certified on your own. And there's even ones that mix species because they have a core that's, you know, I don't know oh. what it is, but then has like a dug for top or something like that. Mm-hmm. We haven't done any of that. It, I didn't, nothing from sawmilling <laughs> prepared me for learning about engineering. I'm like, oh my God, it was not a, a, like an uphill climb. It was like a crawl because like I, it was really tough. We did, we couldn't really find anybody in the industry, you know, to help us get started. We had, we had a few like consultations, you know, and stuff like that. But that was really, uh, cause when we started, I was sales, I was production. I was, I was everything because we could only do like 5,000 more feet a day. So, so mm. custom is, I mean, it's all the curves, it's all the different layups, it's the special cuts, it's the drilling. It's, I mean, it's embodies everything where stock is like, they can produce hundreds of thousands of board feet in a day. And it's just an automatic pretty much. I mean, the, the one facility I know, I mean, you only need eight people to run it and we need, we have, we have 45 Wow. Wow. No, we we had a, we had a shift. So probably like 50. So, okay. I was just looking at, I sent a quote over to Kyle recently over there and uh, it was for 24 F V four. So now I understand that a little bit more. Thank you. I always just, I'm like, I don't know what any of this means, Kyle, please. (laughs) And it's fine. Yeah, exactly. So that's pretty cool. Okay. That's a great idea overview of, you know, kind of what it is and, and its strengths properties and a lot of things I can't even comprehend. That's a lot of information, but very I interesting. I'm sorry. No, I mean, I, <laughs> I just learned a lot in that little 10 minutes. Um, I was wondering, you guys do some, when you say you're producing stock, is that just like a, the standard that you produce and people are buying that and then it goes into like a, box just distribution store or or who's using that the stock if it's not a custom order so we don't typically like to make stock we do um but it's a way cheaper item and when you don't have the efficient machinery like 
the actual stock beam people do, it costs a lot more, but we do it if it complements and, and there's some custom beams on top of it. But so, so right now, even though we quote unquote make, we can make stock beams, it's going to be to order. Like we, we don't have stuff just laying out because that's not one, we don't really have the space right now because of the project we're working on, but it's just, um, if there was enough custom from somebody, we would, but that, but there are people who are willing to pay. I mean, especially right now, cause they can't get stock. But. Right. So for the custom, is that mostly commercial residential? I mean, for the both. ones that we, for the ones we actually get to know about, it's, uh, it's both. I mean, we've, we, we've done restaurants, like there's a restaurant in Denver that we did. There's, um, just entryways for people. Someone wanted hers further around their pool in California, you know? So, I mean, some people don't tell us <laughs> what it's going to, but you know, typically we, I mean, we, we don't want to know for any other reason besides like, if we know the setting, you know, maybe we can hand select some things and, and know what to focus on, you know, cause some people who order architectural, for example, it's going behind a wall. Like if you're never going to see it, why, why pay more? Cause it's more, cause you have to do an East edge on if it's a V4, two sides. And if it's V8, four, and we put putty in voids, so if it's going behind a wall, who cares, you know? Right. So, but right. it, it, it's also helpful because then that way our finished guys can just push it through and then it can be to you sooner and for less. That's what we want to do. We want to make sure it actually is what you want. And most people don't know, like before V8 architectural premium industrial, like, I don't know. But I mean, so like, so for example, industrial is what you would want if it's behind a wall. Because you can allow, I mean, not a knot hole falling out, a knot falling out of a beam doesn't, does not have anything to do with the strength of the beam. It just looks bad huh. because of void. Knots, knots don't affect the strength. Right. And so, cause it's all glued together, right? I mean, it's just a hole, you know? And so if it's just industrial, we can leave those open. You know, typically it's one end's cut square. So you have something to work with, but we leave trim on the end because at job sites, you know, there, things can be adjusted. It's architect, architectural, you want putty. If it's a bigger void, we'll, we will do a wood insert, but typically it's putty because it's going to be seen. And we also try to have the putty blend with the wood as much as possible. But if you stain it, you don't want putty because the putty won't stain. So it's just, I mean, oh, ooh. yeah, yeah. So it'll just kind of stand out. Premium is like, oh my gosh, everything needs to be pristine, every angle and all this. And so it's all wood inserts. So you can do minimal putty or none. And then you sand it. I mean, we can sand finish. We can do all this stuff. But it's like, if you want something that looks like a beautiful piece of wood, we just do a router through any kind of low, like low lamb or knot hole, or we actually fill it with a knot and put putty around it to kind of, because some people don't even want to see the knot, right? I mean, wow. I kind of, I, I like knots, but uh, if, if people don't mind it, we'll just stick a knot in there and just put putty around it to fill it up. Cause, cause I like it, the cause character. Be, because, because that looks nicer than just a putty. Hole. Right. So, so again, but, it's just taking that extra time to do that. That kind of leads me to a question I keep thinking about. You guys have probably worked on some pretty cool projects or the end uses that you do see. What What are some of the cooler projects that you've been able to be a part of um, that you could go see your work at? I mean, we, we all joke that Goshen, our, our Goshen facility has some cool lamps because of the snowstorm, you know, a couple of years ago. Some of the lean tune spells uh, of the lean tune spells. So we just made some beams. Um, <laughs> so, I mean, there that that's like the most local one. Um, I think I can talk about the project that I'm doing. 
you can just let us know. Maybe okay. you double check and let us know yeah, afterwards. I'll, I'll double check. So we uh, can always cut it out. Okay, because we are doing ninety nine percent of the beams for the Portland Airport. Yes. Oh, cool. So, that has been our biggest project and most exciting project, most pain in the ass project. I, I'm so glad I have the opportunity to actually try and tackle this thing. It's taken three of my, like myself and two other people to really be on task with it because they're, it's a huge, I have some really cool pictures that I can't post. <laughs> yeah. I'm not allowed to market it till like August. Cause I'm just thinking like for marketing purposes, who wants to help us build the Portland airport? I can't do that. So, right. Right. Um, <laughs> but no, it's, uh, it was a year and a half process of just like talking about the contract because <laughs> we yeah. actually signed the contract in January of this year, but we've been making beams for them, like to show them that it could be done. So one of the coolest things we overcame was these beams. I don't know if you've seen articles or the renditions of it, but they're, they're 80 feet long. And, uh, for these big curves, no one else wanted to attempt it. Uh, and our customer was even worried about the attachments, you know, the, the steel connections, cause they were going to splice them into 40 foot and connect at the top of the curve. But even they were wary of the hardware because it's on them. And so mm-hmm. of course my, our current operations manager is a yes man or if you tell <laughs> him, Hey, there's no way anyone can do this. He'll do it. And I'm like, crap. So we actually ended up making a pair because you want to do two at once just because of the way things lock up. I don't, I didn't bring a rod with me, but um, <laughs> so we, we made them in May of 2020 and they came down like in August where we actually had it like, it's in, it's in one of the articles where it's like it's steel into like a concrete floor. Like that's our facility and just showing them what it looked like standing up and all the, all, all the design specs, the scanning, everything went well. But if it wasn't for us trying to do that, um, it wouldn't have happened because they are they are 16 feet tall. I mean, from wow. the ground to the very top of the biggest curve is 16 feet. Wow. But they aren't very, I mean, they're only 6,000 board feet. I mean, I've I've done a beam, we've done a beam that's 20,000 board feet. <laughs> Gosh. So, One beam is 20,000 board feet? No, wait, it was, hold on. I got to do my calculations really quick. Cause I, I, I was testing the cranes. Oh wait, I, I don't want the full truckload. No, okay. no, I, I, was, I was totally in compliance with the cranes. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> well, so, I mean, it was, no, it was about 13,000 board feet, which is about 20,000 pounds. Okay. <laughs> and um, wow. our cranes only held 20. And so okay. it went yeah. great. It was fine. But that was uh, the biggest, like the heaviest one we've ever done. We have done 115 foot beams also but these just because of the height so they're they're like 48 inches on the top of the curve but then when it flares out at the end it gets to like seven foot two so there's a lot of so it's because of the weight being so odd that was the biggest challenge to try and safely you know uh, store them load them onto trucks it's been going well we're about we've made about half of the big curves and it goes, our shipments go to like April of next year. Wow. But yeah, wow. so it's been, uh, it's been, in, it's been intense on that, on that yeah, one. Yeah, that's really exciting project though, because when anybody comes in or out of Portland, they're going to be seeing something that you've worked on, which is amazing. So, yeah. and, and, and they also like, they wanted to make sure it was local. So like within 200 miles, everything came in within 200 miles, all the lattice, all the, everything and they want to make sure it was local just local businesses as well yeah and they also want to get the tribes involved so we've got some wood from yakima 
feel that are going to be in it. And awesome. so it, it's been, it's been interesting seeing how buildings are now moving to be, they're actually like a, a statement piece. Now you hear about it more in, in like the Facebooks and Google yeah. buildings that are being made in order to get employees because it's right. a competitive area. Like our customer was telling us that uh, they honestly don't care how much the building is as long as it's made green and it attracts employees that matters more than its actual function. And, it, and that's fascinating to me. Isn't it? People feel better being closer to wood. I mean, yeah. it's a natural, well, sustainable Well, but also wanting to know exactly where it came from. Right. And, but, you know, I mean, it's also been education for a lot of people because, I mean, for those who don't know the Oregon logging laws, I mean, it's it's already very stringent. I mean, it is, it, they are all like a sustainable thing and they have their right thing. I mean, you have to follow it so when they only want FSC, which is stringent on its own, but it's just as stringent, you know, as a practice as the normal Oregon laws are. So then people just kind of go, it's not worth it because I already know I have to, you know, bust my ass to make this, you know, compliance. So it's right. frustrating because if people want just that little sticker, right? Um, you know, just like having a, you know, have, having the whole like Nike swish on a shirt means something, you know, it's right, like, right. All it is is more paperwork. That's oh, all FSB is. Yeah, it <laughs> we're is. Already uh, doing we're all actually, the correct steps. <laughs> we are actually going to do an FSC podcast coming soon. So <laughs> I, did, I, I did my first audit uh, in April. <laughs> I'm just oh like, gosh, yeah. It actually wasn't bad. It's only like so. I have a couple people that in their prior jobs did FSC. They're like, oh my god, it's gonna be horrible. So this guy was awesome. He was only here for like two hours, and he was done. Oh, oh, that's nice. Yeah. yeah. If you ever need any awesome. feed, if you ever need somebody to lean on, Terry here is like our expert at FSC certification. If you ever have Excellent. help or need yeah. support, I'm sure she'd be happy to talk to you. She's dealt <laughs> with that for years for us and she's a saint for that. Oh so. my God. I know it's been a, it's been interesting. I mean, we, we kind of have to do that with our AYC, you know, keep it separate and right. Kind of, I mean, yeah. you would hope it'd be hard for them to, not pick an AYC, you know, jag when there's Doug Fur to be finger jointed, but you know, things right. happen. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> awesome. Well, Casey, we have learned so much. Thank you so much. Um, appreciate everything. And I took a quick little picture, so we'll put it on our Instagram so you can see the actual finger joint and you can do it now. Oh, should I take one now? And then also <laughs> so get it up you- closer to the screen so we can like see the actual joints in there. Yeah. Yeah. There's no joints in this sample, but now tell us really quickly. You have a little, oh, look, at the uh, sides. look at the sites. Yeah. Get YouTube that. video. What? You have a little YouTube video. Yeah. So, um, for our 75th, which was in 2019, thank God before 2020, we had a whole big shebang and we decided to show a video to all our employees of all the locations because most of them don't ever get the opportunity. So our YouTube video just has a clip of all of our locations just with with the drone. It was really cool and people really appreciate it because then they know like, oh, that's what that place looks like. (laughs) So that also just a great place to show just, you know, what all we do. So we'll share that in our show notes. Okay. Yes. So now we're ready for rapid fire. Are you excited? Hello. <laughs> uh, okay. What's the last book you read? Oh, God. <laughs> Probably. Guys, that's not rapid fire. I know, but it's been so long since I've actually read a book. Nope. I don't, I don't remember. I'm sure it was like Divergent or Twilight or something <laughs> like that. Harry Potter. Let's just say Harry Potter. Harry Potter. 
It's a good one. Um, what's the most recent thing you learned in the industry? I learn all the time. Um, I don't know. <laughs> Guys, these aren't supposed to be hard questions, right? Shoot, I, I should have been like, what's your favorite color? Yeah. <laughs> <Yellow>. <laughs> um, okay, only two more. Describe the lumber industry in one word. Awesome. And what's your favorite thing about the industry? The people. People. Phew. That's it. You're done. You're done. That's horrible on the other one. Yeah. <laughs> Starting hard. Well, thank you so much for your time. Really appreciate it. Yes, we do appreciate your time and always love seeing you at all the events. And we have a few more to go this year. So we look forward to seeing you at the next one. Man, it was so nice to just, I mean, you could tell at the golf tournament, everyone was just so happy to like, I see you. I can help. I know. Well, um, Casey, we'd love to have you back sometime. Uh, maybe we'll go even more in depth on the mill side next time. <laughs> All right. Thank you. Thank you Thanks. guys for your time. Yeah. Nice seeing you.